And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror! <laughs> Hello, Hammerheads, and welcome to our second feature from The House That Horror Built The Horror of Dracula! He's a rougher, tougher Drac. And after one bite, he's got the ladies on his side. And where else do you get to see Grand Moff Tarkin use sunlight to create what we call a dusty dooku? It sucks! Hello everyone and welcome to the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. Or perhaps I should say, good evening. My name is Luke Giaconetti and I am one of your co-hosts tonight and I am joined by the usual band of freaks. First we have my good friend Mr. Chris Honeywell. I do not drink wine unless I've just given about three pints of blood. And then it's the best thing for me. And I am also joined by my good friend, Miss the hair metal hero, Chris Tyler. You have a very strong garlic aroma coming from my room right now. <laughs> and finally, we are also joined by my good friend, my brother, Mr. Jason Giaconetti. Uh, you look like a teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight no, we are going to... <laughs> yeah, you look like a teddy bear now, yes. Uh, so tonight we are going to be taking a look at the second film in our series of films from Hammer Studios in the United Kingdom. And after doing The Curse of Frankenstein last time, <clears throat> we had pretty much a contractual obligation that we are going to be covering Horror of Dracula from 1958. And though it may be a contractual obligation, this is uh, <clears throat> an absolute joy. What do you think, boys? Oh, yeah. I never saw it before. I loved it. I'm just saying, this is... To me, the quintessential Dracula movie. Um, I, I, I think I said it to Luke. I think Luke and I were te- going back and forth texting. I said, I, can, I can't think of a better Dracula movie, period. This is, to me, the best Dracula movie out there. Because um, it, it hits everything. And it kind of it builds a whole world. In one movie, he's, they were able to build their entire world of Dracula. Um, that would then you know go on you know, further with the sequels. But it just is... And Christopher Lee as Dracula to me is is what I picture as Dracula, and it just has everything, which is which is great. So, I am oh I am also a big fan of this one. I don't know if Christopher Lee is my favorite Dracula, but I'll tell you one thing: Peter Cushing is my favorite Van Helsing. Oh yeah, he doesn't mess around. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Nothing about this movie messes around. This movie just just starts tossing all the plot points out, and it's funny because my the first thing I thought about watching it was uh, I'd just been reading about how the screenwriter was like, I'm not gonna, I refuse to read 
the novels, you know, the original novels to Dracula and Frankenstein because I wanted to come up with my own yep. stuff. But it it starts out just like the you know the novel with Jonathan Harker writing in his diary, you know, to a degree, to a degree. But I mean, it, <laughs> it, it, I was like, are you sure you haven't read the book? Because this is starting out very much like the book, and then it didn't take long for me to go like, oh, okay, no, never mind. <laughs> but I like I like the where they went with it, it though. That's what I that, the way they streamlined it worked really well. And made yeah. Dracula more of a threat. Because he was just taking down the babes. Oh, yeah. And they were down with it. Yeah, well, That's what else I like oh, about yeah. this. The women are down. As soon as they get a taste of Dracula, they're plotting against their husbands. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know that... Once you go Drac, you don't go exactly. back. Exactly. Once you go Drac, you don't go back. There, there are two scenes in particular that, that I think go to that point... Uh, Chris, one is the one that I, I have in my note is Lucy as Dracula's lover, lover in air quotes up to the mic, because when she is prepping her room for Dracula to show up, oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. take that in a different context and she's preparing for an illicit engagement with a gentleman caller that's coming to, into a room surreptitiously like dangerous liaisons or something, right? But, you know, so she's she's setting everything up. She's prepping the bed. She puts the crucifix away. She lays down very come hitherly. And then when he does enter, it's that mix of excitement and fear. You know, it's like very clearly kind of shot that way. And then the one that goes with that is Mina after after she gets lured to the uh, to the funeral home or the uh, the the great the Undertaker, I should uh -huh. say. Uh -huh. And then she's back, and she's got that you know, if you'll pardon my French, that shit eating grin on oh, her yeah. face, yeah. like the cat that swallowed the canary. You know what she is? She's the girl who was talking to her girlfriend and said, oh, you need to go see my personal trainer, Armando. He'll stretch you out. And oh, then yeah, where he did it. You know what I'm well, saying? I, so. yeah, I, I have a note on that, LP, right? So it says, uh, it says, uh, Mina Holmwood exits her bedroom after having been seduced and bitten by Dracula with a satisfied uh, and seductive smile on her face. So Terrence Fisher, who's the director of this, um, after a few uh, takes that didn't go so well, he told the actress, uh, just imagine you've had the best sex of your life all night long. And then she nailed it on the next take. So, because you know the I, British I think, known for their passionate lovemaking. Yes, almost. Imagine, almost. Imagine. Almost. There it is. Okay. Yeah. Imagine some wiggly guy with bad teeth was wriggling around on top of you. So I like anyway. to think of his Monty Python as meaning a yeah. life now. Pay attention. We don't want to do this again. Uh, is that gum? Bring it here. <laughs> Watching the football, are we? Yeah. So um, the thing about I think uh, one of the things we noticed here, uh, and, and it, we think we kind of hit on a little bit here, is um, Peter Cushing as as Van Helsing is very straightforward, very much uh, kind of defines the role. I think um, to me, Christopher Lee has always been the definitive Dracula. I th uh, we saw these, you know, years after seeing all the Universals, and, to, and as a kid growing up, to me, Dracula was always obviously Bela Lugosi. Um, until until I saw a Hammer movie and I was like, oh no, no, Dracula is not Bela Lugosi. This guy is Dracula. You know, Christopher Lee's got to be it. But I think part of that also has to do with the fact that Terrence Fisher's a director. Terrence Fisher, as a director, um, he did uh, Curse of Frankenstein. And he did several other in the series of horror one uh, movies from Hammer. He 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 knew what he wanted to put on the screen. They had you know. Um, the right mix. And, and I think once you have Lee and Cushing together, Terrence Fisher with them, it's kind of like, I think of it a uh, modern day would be like saying Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and, uh, 
um, Edgar Wright yeah. together. They make really funny comedies because they're really good at doing it. These guys make really good gothic horror because they're really good at doing it. You know, um, well, being classically trained actors too helps. You know, obviously, yeah, you know, with well, the, the that, tone that is was... set right from the jump. With I mean, we get through the credits, and the first thing after the credits is his Dracula's nameplate on his casket, and he has some temporal blood like right away. Yeah, like yes. it, they don't yes. even fart around with it. It's like you know yeah, what I, you're getting. I, I, yeah. Well, one you, thing real quick on that, which is kind of a. It's, it's one of those localization issues, which I end up talking about much more on Earth Destruction Directive, or we talked about a lot on this show when we were doing the Italian films. This film was shot and released in the United Kingdom as just Dracula. So yep. that pull-in uh, to, his, to his, the nameplate on his coffin was intentional as the title of the oh, film. And they, okay. did, they overlaid the horror of Dracula titles on top of that to the point that if you watch the trailer for the film, it's the same thing. It's clearly zooming in on Dracula as the title at the end of the trailer. And they put the opticals horror of Dracula above it. This was done because this was part of their deal with universal. It's like, we can't make your movie too close to ours and you can't call it the same thing either. You have to call it something different. If you're going to release it here in, in England, the universal didn't, uh, didn't particularly care, but in the United States, they said you can't call it just Dracula. Yeah, and part uh, of that deal, you, go ahead, Jay. Go real, ahead. real quick, but part of that deal, like you were just talking about with, with Universal, um, at at the time they were still booking uh, Bela Lugosi's Dracula uh, with company was uh, uh, real art was still booking it in theaters as special engagements and stuff because this all occurred before Universal had put out their shock package. Um, to TV, which included Dracula. So they had, they were still, this was still being booked. And their concern was in America, people would see Dracula and think, oh, I know that movie. It's the one Bella Gosi. And they were afraid that people would go and see Splash. not that movie. You know, <laughs> well, within the first five minutes, you know, you're not in the same place. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no way you're living in Bella Lugosi, you know, um, it kind of like, uh, I always think of universals of being like, I mean, I know it's not technically true, but like, old dark house kind of movies you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying like yeah. the everything's creaky and old and the big castle and the whole nine it, this this was truly um the jump into the modern modern quote-unquote era of horror because you had you know color and you know you were putting sex on the screen i mean even though if no one's having sex but it's still there like they're you know everything the sexual tension all that stuff there's not a lot of that obviously with Lugosi. In his Dracula. Sorry, Luke, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you oh, were just no, talking. No, no, no. All, all I was going to say, and, and um, uh, uh, Hero, you nailed this on the head. Right at the beginning, we get the hammer blood, the tempera paint. Uh -huh. So within the first, I think it's the first seven minutes of this film, we get the bright red hammer blood. We get, uh, and we get heaving bosoms on a hammer <laughs> girl. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yep. you're right. The, the tone is set right out of the gate. Okay. And then in that scene, and then immediately after that, we get Christopher Lee's entrance and his presence, you know, one of the, you know, it's one of those intangibles of certain actors and actresses that whenever they're on screen, they have such great presence. You know, it's one of the reasons why Lee was so uh, well regarded when he played Saruman in oh, the, yeah. uh, the Lord of the Rings films was his, his great presence on screen. You know, Godzilla is kind of the same way, you know. Um, but his, his entrance is, is menacing without him being, doing anything menacing. He's helpful. He takes Harker's bag. He apologizes that his housekeeper is away, you know, and he and he leads him through the the, the castle. And he's a very so he's just in this, you know, very forceful presence, this intimidating presence. And he's not even doing anything evil, you know, and yeah. uh, that also leads into just one other note I had. And uh, Jay, you mentioned this, that this was kind of a different look 
from the mm-hmm. more traditional spooky old dark house look. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's not, it's, it's the set decoration, particularly in the castle is wonderful. This, this, this looks like a real place. This castle is incredibly well lit though. I was trying to figure out, how, well, yes. it was very yeah. bright, you know, <laughs> but, it's, you're yeah. used to it being dark corners and stuff. And this right. was a house on display. Hide, it doesn't hide in the dark. The castle would be, I mean, I don't know how they do it, but again, well, it was like an active know, house of nobility and not just like the house where like. Yeah, Dracula lives up there, but he's 700 years old, so nobody goes up there and it's full of cobwebs and stuff. This looks like an active, right. you know, nobleman's yeah. house. It's yeah. completely I mean, different than the Universal or the uh, Coppola yes, <laughs> version. Yes. Right, yeah. But when, but like they, when he takes Harker into his room, and there's, so, especially on the DVD, the DVD uh, and, uh, really helps just with the clarity in some of these scenes. The just the little things like the chess set when they first walk in the chess set that's sitting on the table ready to be played all the little drawers that he put like in on in front of the desk the uh, you know the, the the pitcher with the bowl and the water all these little things that makes this look less like a set and more like an actual castle even though clearly it is a set but it's very well thought out and there's a lot of attention to detail yeah, it's much like we saw in Curse of Frankenstein it's a functional attention to detail that sells the illusion of reality very well yeah well there's also only about three major sets in the movie so if you're going to put the time and the money into it you're going to put it into where most of the action with Dracula takes place oh it's yeah in that, absolutely again that again foyer. similar to similar to Curse of Frankenstein not a whole lot of different sets are used and so they all end up they, they're well they're well put together and designed. It was cold in there because you can see their breath a lot of the time. Yes. Yep. Yep. Well, I think part of that too, um, the reason why I mean, obviously you're um, they're trying to sell to you. He says, when I cross the when I mean, he crosses the the running water, yeah. or he crosses the he goes, I feel the temperature drop. And again, that's something that I mean, and I'm sure it was just cold on set too. But that's something that Terrence Fisher would definitely probably think about like well i want to sell it for being you know otherworldly and it's going to be cold and notice you only see their breath though when they're dealing with stuff with dracula in the like in the house i mean when they're outside you know it's cold outside obviously but anytime they're in the house um uh in the castle especially when they're dealing with dracula you see their breath and then when they're back and in um uh you know and, and after they return and they're now dealing with the the two women um, who are being, uh, who, be, who are, you know, who are bitten and stuff. When Dracula's on screen or when Dracula's there and it's, something's going on, you see their breath. I'm not saying it was unintentional. It could have totally been by accident, but it works so well. It reminded me kind of of um, what Freakton did for The Exorcist, where he made the set so yes. amazingly cold to, because it gives, it makes you feel uneasy. Like, you shouldn't see someone's breath. It makes you feel uneasy when you see it. And he knew what he was doing. Obviously, the exorcists are very, uh, you know, he did a lot of things on purpose in there to create situations that created things. But I think uh, um, Terrence Fisher's, you know, a director who maybe doesn't get as much credit in America because he's a British director. Um, but he definitely would kind of think, like, well, let's do this and push that. It's a lot. Uh, it's a lot of things like even uh, Francis Ford Coppola might have thought of, you know, kind of things. And the things he did in his version of Dracula um, he purposely made, you know, he set his world up. You, it, you know, they're not waiting for a you know, like, well, let's assume you know all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, we're setting this up. We're showing you this is, you know, uh, this is our world. And th- that when you deal with Dracula, you know, it's going to be he's dead. It's cold. It's, you know, it's not a place. It's not a warm, welcoming thing. So 
the one thing I always say, and Luke, Luke will uh, know this, um, the he crosses over the bridge. There's that is that is a real f- fast moving stream underneath that yeah, bridge. It like you know, it, it looks it looks like a river, and Dracula <laughs> sh- cannot cross running water, right? But I guess obviously the bridge, you know, alleviates that situation. But when he, when 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 a Harker walks across, the water is splashing up it's on like the a bridge, water like Harker or yep. something. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> like I mean, yeah, it, it's yeah, no that's, joke. That's the, that's, the, that's the splash zone for the flume line. Exactly. Dracula does not do flumes. We're going to Dracula's castle. Woo! All Get right. Rich. <laughs> then we can go to Transylvania. Where would I go? I'd go to Dracula's castle, dude. You know, the lazy river around the castle's awesome, man. <laughs> Running water will kill a vampire, but will raging water? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's turned into a bill of Transylvania and raging rapids. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's the next parody bit right there. <laughs> Oh, We've trucked in 20,000 gallons of pig's blood. <laughs> <laughs> and stop off at Drax Taco Shack. <laughs> the tacos that bite back. <laughs> would be very silly, but this is not a silly movie. This one is no, uh, very... You know, it, it's, it's funny because in a lot of ways, this and Frankenstein form... The what what would become the archetype hammer? It's very very serious business that we have here. But what's funny is that compared to Curse of Frankenstein, there actually is some comic relief in this. The the poor mm-hmm. dude at the border crossing, yeah, you know, right. who, who, who shoulders the load of being all the comedy for this film, and uh, <laughs> the mortician know. too. Oh, that's right. The mort yeah, the mortician's well, kind of funny too. Let me lead the way. These steps are treacherous. It's two steps. Yeah. <laughs> He came to pay his well, last respects and ended up staying. <laughs> he thinks he's far funnier than he is. My yeah. fa- the best is the look because that's Michael Goff is um is is plays uh Arthur. H- Henry Arthur. Thank you, Arthur. Yeah, you got um, it's a tough and, room at that point. <laughs> no, no. What, what I'm saying is what I'm saying is that uh you know because uh, Cushing and Goth, I mean, uh Michael Goth played in a lot of movies. He was a, he was he actually played a villain in a number of movies. As well, but here he obviously is not playing, not playing a villain, but he's another British actor who was uh, became more well known for these kind of movies. But it's just kind of funny, like the the guy, the the mortician's doing his little like I'm really funny, and he's talking to two guys who are just this icy cold. Like, yeah. look, we are looking for the motherfucker who has been you know killing people, and so we ain't got no time. Well, for probably this. everybody who goes down there anyway. He he probably just at this point he doesn't care. He just puts on that show for yeah. everybody who comes in. Right. No, I, I know. I'm just saying this, but it's kind of funny that you're like, he's like, cross the stairs. They're treacherous. And it's like, they're like, like you can feel them rolling their yeah. eyes. Like, can we just get to the coffin yeah. so we can stake this we need guy? To fight the We're going to rip this we'll, thing open. We'll worry about the stairs later. The yeah. staking in this is amazing. Yeah. That sound oh, yeah. effect when the, the hammer hits the, the spike. Oh, my God. That's brutal. The issue I always had with the when when he when he goes when Harker goes down he doesn't kill Dracula first, right? And I feel like if he was sent there to kill Dracula, that he would have killed Dracula first. But he lets he he lets his 
um, emotions get more get the better of him. He wants to help the girl instead of doing his job. Yeah, but you, you, you know would think saying? that the possibility it's like. Well, you'd think you'd want to kill Dracula first with the possibility that it might free the girl, although she'd already died, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Well, but at least on the I off mean, chance, you might as well you might as well kill the the, the strongest one anyway for yeah. right off the bat. That that to me was always like if there's a flaw to this movie, it's that. But and the also, problem is when you... Nightfall's like a motherfucker in that world. No, but you know what? He, he does, because uh, I've always said that, too. <clears throat> we said this way back when we talked about vampires, was that they went, and, and at the beginning of vampires, they clear out the vampire nest at noon, you know? And I've always said this, is like, okay, well, they decide to go, and, and you know, in these, in these Dracula movies, they decide to go kill Dracula at, like, 6.15, you know? But, yes. but Harker hangs a lampshade on that because he, because he gets bit at the beginning when we get the great, the great scene of Drac bursting in with the blood all over his chin and his fangs and looking all, you know, crazy go nuts there. And he wakes up in his room all disheveled and he says he doesn't know how, that he's lost a whole day and he doesn't know how much longer he can resist, so he must go now. Yeah. So it, it at least it, it, it addresses it, and it's a rationale, yeah. and I can work with that. He's like, okay, this is not ideal, but i got to go take care of business. Right. Otherwise, if you're going to go after vampires, meet at 8 a.m. outside the castle. You right. Know? Yeah, but, which, which makes Jay's point even more salient because yeah. he knows he's short on time, so he doesn't, but he doesn't kill Dracula first. It's like, dude, what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. And, I, and I love that he doesn't, he doesn't kill Dracula. He kills the girl. And we don't see anything when he kills the first one. But it's all, it, in our minds, it's very gruesome, you know. We only see the aftermath when she's, uh, I'm old, you know. Yeah. But uh, what I love is that Dracula, not only is he a suave, debonair badass, but he's got a great sense of theatrical presence. Because he leaves the tomb and comes <laughs> back in. Cape. I think he went to get his cape. Eat my cape. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if he had his cape on. So like uh, I, I, I was, I watched it again this morning. And I was like, "Does he have his cape on in that scene?" I'm always wondering, like, did he leave to go get his cape? Because you know, the cape makes the outfit. Yeah. So. Well, it, it's like you know, it's like I could sneak up behind him and bite him, but you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him figure it out for himself. I'm gonna twist the knife <laughs> just a bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, he also wanted. Like, I think part of that too, though, is is the. Um, you know, as he recoils in fear because he knows he can't overpower Dracula, right? And and now Harker realizes, man, I've screwed up. Like, I had my chance. I didn't take my chance. And you feel that. And it's like, all right, you know. So the the great part is this. Lee only has 13 lines in the entire film. Um, but some of the most effective scenes, like Luke said, was when he burst into the room and he, like, makes this animal, gun, you know, guttural kind of like that growl yeah. like you really get the sense that he is an animal and what happened was lee um and we, we talked about this you know in her curse of frankenstein where lee said to cushing i don't have any lines and he goes oh feel yourself lucky i've read the script you know um <laughs> it got to the point where in in um the, in the second one with lee because the next movie after this is Bri uh, brides of dracula Dra yeah. bride of dracula or whatever right Brides. no dracula dracula's brides Right, I'm I'm all over the map here. It don't matter. That one doesn't have Christopher Lee in it. But when they did Dracula, Prince of Darkness, he actually doesn't have any speaking lines in the entire movie, 
right? And the whole point is he felt that the, the scripts were just too – they just were garbage. They were rubbish. Um, not that he wouldn't act in the movies, but he felt like the lines just weren't like worthy of whatever. Like these are just – they were just weren't good, you know? So what he delivers here, that those lines that you hear him deliver, they're very – not to say they're simplistic, but they're very much just conversation, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't have any of his satanic rites of Dracula where he's spouting off about destroying the world and the plague and all. Like, it's all like, you know, charming, you know, kind of thing. Like, look at the, like it's all pretty much like that he's an aristocrat, or, you know, who doesn't have a whole lot of interaction with people. And then when he's truly showing he's a vampire, how animalistic he is. Because, as they say, he doesn't turn into a bat. He doesn't turn into a wolf. He doesn't turn into smoke. Which are all things that uh, I think because in, in Coppola's um, yeah, version, he 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 makes sure. But I'm saying when when uh, when when um, Gary Oldman is old man Dracula, and when he's like you know uh, you know you know hipster uh, with the little glasses on Dracula, <laughs> right? He's not an animal at those points. He becomes the animal when he when he takes yeah, his, it, I think it's, it's Lucy it always in the seems garden, like Dracula right? just always probably needs a few moments alone to compose himself to get back into you know act like a human yeah. being but when you catch him yeah. by, by surprise like when when he was in the house and you know and uh was it Van Helsing that found the the coffin and he just runs down he sees the coffin and Dracula like bursts in the door like going back to my coffin and just like yeah and like runs away <laughs> Yeah, well, he snarls yeah. at him, and and, right. and that, that, that animalistic snarl, and then Van Helsing goes stops and puts the cross down in there. Yeah, this is I think this is why this movie, uh, to me, is always going to be the, the the definitive Dracula thing. It does all those little things. It, okay, let's put aside Harker not killing him in the beginning. It does all those little things. You're like, oh, how come no, no one ever does that? You know, why doesn't someone just you know what do you call it? Like, you know, uh, I mean, I think that's part of what happens Dumps is you watch a lot of vampire movies. Something. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, you got his coffin. Just fill it. You know, just dump holy water all over the earth." But he did it. He did it one better and threw the cross in there. Well, in yeah. Dracula, don't they put the communion wafers in the casket? I thought in, that could be wrong. In the in, in the book, book, the original. Oh, book. I believe so. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, but right, but I'm saying, but it's those things that um, you know when you watch vampire movies. That seem like why don't they do these these little? It doesn't seem like much. Why don't they do that? Why don't they do that? Because it always comes back to bite him in the ass. And here he's like, well, we, you know, well, yes. Um, but they, you know, they, he puts the cross in there the same way that he's, you know, um, he goes and he goes. Her room must be sealed this way. Like he makes it very specific how to how to defeat him. And well, yeah, because, happens, he, because Van Helsing, despite being a man of faith, is also a man of science. Right. Because he may, you know, he's listening to his notes and he's making hypotheses and theorems, and he, you know, he, he talks about sunlight being, you know, uh, that they have an fatal. allergy to it, that it's fatal, you know, and they have a strong aversion to garlic and the odor of garlic, and it's like, so he's looking at it from a scientific standpoint, despite the fact that this is still the Victorian era, so he's still a man of faith. So it's that combination of them that makes. Cushing, because you can buy Cushing as both of those things. Well, that was you know? a time period buy as, that was going through yeah. that that change. So it's like uh, yeah. Frankenstein too. You know, it's just like yeah, the broth. Well, yeah, yeah. In, in Frankenstein, the Baron specifically re is is so enamored with science that he rejects all spirituality, whereas Van Helsing finds both of them useful. You yes. know, 
He doesn't the for whatever reason the crucifix works. Thus, I'm going to use it but, because it's demonstrable. That I can use but, it. But you know? know, but but Frankenstein brought the whole like playing God aspect, and not as much as religious, right, yeah. but just as bypassing the religious and going right to God. But Van Helsing in the same way is very much driven by any means necessary, much like the Baron is. It's just he's on the side of the angels in this one. You know, I, I think Van Helsing would do anything at all. He puts he puts he puts women and children in danger, <laughs> in mortal danger on more than one occasion yeah. in mm -hmm. order to draw Dracula out. And kind of casually, he does an anguish over it very much. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> actually, yeah, not at all. Yeah. Well, because you think about it, like there has to be a way to get there, and you're not going to lure Dracula out. Uh, you know, it's, I, think, I always think of the line from uh, Predator: "We can try next cheese." You know, kind of thing. <laughs> like when they're trying to trap the Predator. Like, you I'm know. Sorry, that just. I'm sorry, that just reminds me from Dracula Dead and Loving It. Renfield could be the vampire. He bent the bars of his cell as if they were cheese. You <laughs> know. <laughs> So, you know, what he's saying is, like, you think about it, like, they're not going to be able to lure Dracula out. So, Van Helsing believes in himself and believes in his science enough where he knows that if if they can get Dracula out in the open, he can kill him. Right? I mean, he oh, is pure he monster is squad. They know, he know, he, well, he's, it is. He's, he's pretty yeah. sure of the rules. The rules aren't established, but he's got a pretty good grasp on what's going on with him. Yeah, because yeah. he's done the research, mm -hmm. you know. The the other thing he does too is that he doesn't he doesn't really he pushes to the point where they you know keep Lucy in the room locked up with the garlic but he's not pushing anything on Arthur yet he waits for Arthur to be like okay this is what's going on then he lays it all out for him he's not in a, he's not in a rush to try to like no you must listen well, to me he's a vampire here's, an, you know? here's another thing why didn't they just station one of them is a, a, a not the maid you know who's dumb as a rock <laughs> and 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 her loyalty is definitely to you know to the the woman of the house rather than the doctor or whatever why not put van helsing in there in in the room waiting for dracula to come in instead of like let's patrol around the outside let's you know let's stay about 500 yards away, you know? Well, because because it's inappropriate for them to be in her bedchamber. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess. That's what it is. I mean, well, I'm, I mean I'm, she's, she's, a, she's an unmarried girl. I mean, it's inappropriate. So, and so and, Well, he's uh, a physician. He is a doctor, yes. Yeah, he is a doctor. I'm just, I'm, I mean, I'm no prizing it, but, you know, <laughs> they got to have a, re a rationale to, to get it in there. But uh, <laughs> Don't we all? yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's it is it is true, and, and yeah, the maid. I mean, that that she doesn't that Van Helsing just doesn't bitch slap the ever loving yeah. taste yes. out of her mouth. Like you, you 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 see it on his face. He's just like <laughs> you just see the like the disgust. Yeah. That's it's it's just like it's just like he's like I'm sorry, sir. I I had to take him away, and he's just like ugh. You really just wanted to shake his head at her, and be yeah. like, oh, you are a dumb cunt and you know what like, he's not gonna now she's dead thanks a lot he's not gonna hit her because when it comes right down to it he's got that victorian doctor condescending pity yeah. or yeah. he's like listen he goes listen you dusty piece we ain't got time for this crap you know i, I do love got the, time the, for that ain't nobody got time for that the victorian doctor thing does come up there's a line in this movie that 
my, that Jay and I used to say to each other all the time, anytime we'd say anything about wanting something to drink, have tea, coffee, or better still, wine. Yeah, right after giving yeah. blood. <laughs> That's what you want yeah. to drink. You want to drink red wine after that. Any Isn't Italian guy knows that. More. Jesus. <laughs> when did when did the setting change from Romania or Transylvania to Germany? Because um, they're talking when, about Ingolstadt. Because I, 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 I that confused me at first because I was just assuming we were jumping over the ocean because of my past Dracula experiences, and then about halfway through the movie, I'm like. Oh, these guys are just riding up and down the block and chasing each other, you know, Benny Hill style, up and down the block. You know what? <laughs> Whenever they pull in, the, the casket's riding out the other way. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly got enough busty dicks running around in it, too, so we got Ooh. that aspect of Benny Hill, you know? <laughs> uh, I, okay, I'm guessing, Benny. as far as the setting, you know, it, 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 I, I think the, you know, I don't mean to be coy but i think it's when jimmy sangster wrote it like you said he didn't you know yeah. he purposely didn't try to go to the source material i guess he figured germany made sense i mean we okay. were in bavaria for the last one so okay you know, Fair enough. germany works i mean i mean, I, I, agree remember, with you. Yeah, I, if, I never if, i mean if, if, it should be transylvania but he's not specifically a transylvanian count either they never really say that they just um, account you know that's true. It, it's true. yeah, it, it's one of those things. It's it's you know we, we talked about this again on Curse of Frankenstein. It's Bavaria. It's like it looks a lot like England, you know. And it's like and everybody this sounds is Germany. English. It looks a lot like England. I'm just saying is all you know. And yeah. even to the point to the point that when when Van Helsing goes to the inn as an innkeeper, I am obliged to serve ye, sir. Yeah. And he's got all the bottles there. There's a right in front and center. What is there? Gordon's a bottle? gin. Gordon's gin. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I noticed it. <laughs> I'm going to raise my glass to the spirit of uh, of Sir Winston Churchill for that, because you know you're in England when. So. <laughs> yeah. The, I uh, raise my glass the, and then look towards France. So there we go. Okay. Yes. The the innkeeper, the, the idea, I mean, this innkeeper here doesn't do much, but um, innkeepers become more important in Hammer movies throughout the years. Um, especially in Dracula ones, because they're always stopping at the end. They're always having to be on their way to do something, and they're like, well, are you sure you want to go? Like, oh, you shouldn't go out there. Like, they have to be there to kind of, like, do their thing. So they're always, that's always a role. And they always have is, skin like, in important. the game, because they always have a young, naive, yeah, over-trusting, over yeah. beautiful daughter. Oh, yeah. 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 Going to Camp Blood, ain't you? <laughs> it's got a death curse! <laughs> <laughs> oh god um so real, real quick i just want to throw this in there real quick because uh, i saw this um at at the end when dracula um you know when when van helsing rips open the curtain and the uh you know the, the yeah. sunlight hits him the, 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 so everyone, the, the, there's there's the on the floor is uh the pentagram with all the different it's got uh, uh latin on it and the whole nine um there is a scene that was cut there and it actually, they found a print in Japan that had it, and it was released on one of the laser discs or something, where um, uh, as he's as he's dying, um, Lee reaches up and pulls away and scrapes down part of his face and actually peels off his skin, revealing uh, all the crap. Yeah. Um, and what happened was, it just they it just never. Um, it, 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 it was in 2011. They found an extended print. 
including a longer version of the disintegration scene, which was discovered in the National Film Center in Tokyo. And it has him peeling away part of his face. I mean, I've never seen that scene. It sounds freaking really cool. Um, what they did was they put a thin coat of wax on his, um, a mortician's wax on his face, and then made it up to come with his normal thing. And then he raked his finger across rack, revealing the raw marks underneath. Um, and it was cut out, it was restored in the 2012 Blu-ray release, which sadly is not available in America. Um, and it, to me, that seems like such a, like, that kind of like that more animalistic, like he's clawing at his face, this is burning him. I um, believe the print I watched had that. It was from the, like, the British Film Restoration Archives. I'll, I'll okay, send so you guys that, a link yeah. for it later. Yeah, what I'm saying is, but on the DVD um, that's been released, anything that's been released in America does not have that scene. It's not in the features, it's not anywhere else in there. Um, because they found it, obviously, and they restored it. The Blu-ray came out um, in England, I want to say a couple years ago, um, and it's never been released here. And that's one of the, the things that uh, Dad and I were actually talking, my Dad and I were talking about this the other day, is, you know, they have never released Horror of Dracula on Blu-ray or, or Curse of Frankenstein. The other ones have been released and are being released and all these different things. And it's a shame because the best two examples, I mean, well, you can make your case for Frankenstein must be destroyed or, but I, I'd be hard pressed to say any other Dracula movie in the series can hold a candle to this. Um, but what I'm saying is that you're, you're looking at these movies are not going to be, you know, to clean them up even more and restore everything. I, I think there's an audience for that. You know, I think there's people out there who really appreciate what went into this, even though um, at the time, I guarantee you, uh, Lee and Cushing knew it was a paycheck, and they were like, "All right, well, we'll make these," you know, kind of thing. And they made the, they did, and they did the best job they could do with it, and they took it all seriously. But I don't think they thought they were making high cinema by any stretch of imagination. You know, you know? You know it's, it's 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 something, and I, and, uh, I talked about this on a show we did, uh, not not this uh, series, but another show that we did with Paul Spataro. Uh, that we recorded right around this time. I don't know when anything will be released, so this may be a preview or this may be a rehash. But you know, something that I was reading in a, um, in a it, it's actually it's a, it's a book I talk about re- lately on a Destruction Directive. It's a filmography and history of the Godzilla series by David Callett from McFarland Publishing, and Callett makes the point in that book that genre film, especially, just because it is commercial and is made to make money does not mean it cannot also be art. And if something is art, that does not mean it cannot be commercial and make money. And and he's, he was talking specifically about the Godzilla films, but I think it applies here too. For Hammer, oh, yeah. these, were, these were a business deal. These were, hey, we've got this deal with Universal, we can make these movies, let's get this stuff out there, let's, you know, let, let's try to make them cheap so we can make some money here, right? And, and like you said, you know, Kuching has said, well, I, I've read the script and all that. And he, he was, you know, they, they thought this was kind of just, you know, just, just, you know, cheap genre work. But just because they were made for money does not mean that Terrence Fisher and Jimmy Sangster and Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee and everyone else involved in the production of this film did not do a good job and make a classic No, so, something clicked, obviously, and, and that's, I mean, basically, money started pouring in, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly, I mean, uh, good. You know, it, it's 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 not always the case that good films make money, but more often than not, especially genre films, good genre films make their money. You know, because they find an audience and then they find word of mouth. I think of this like, know, it's like like the thi- like John Carpenter's The Thing. When it came out, it was you know the genre. Well, unlike The Thing, you know, it made a lot of money, but. Um, <laughs> 
you know, when the when when the thing came out, it was just a little too gory and and visceral for the time, and people, were, uh, a lot of the critics just wrote it off as just like, oh, this is like slasher films, except it's just gooier and grosser, and all that, and wrote it off. Twenty years down the line, when there's been plenty of gooier and grosser things sort of out there, now it's recognized as a classic, you know. And pretty much anybody who's into horror is like acknowledges like, yeah, that's a great movie. But you know, when the, when this first came out, it was probably viewed more as as being trashy, you know, maybe cleaned up a little bit, but you know, it was still just like cheap trash. It's horror, you know. That's how horror always gets. Horror always gets yeah. cheat, treated like a cheap whore. <laughs> Not in my house. Not in my house either. It's treated I like a lady. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah. you know, in the general so, eyes of the media and and society at large, right. it's, it's yeah. just there. It's yeah, just well, that, there to that's... like a haunted, you know, like a haunted hayride or something. It's just there to. Yeah. To rattle your it's, and it's, and it's no different. It's it's no different with most genre. I mean, you know, the <laughs> only about the only uh, genre of you know uh, of, of relatively inex, you know B movie genre of film that critics traditionally tend to like is western. You know, you can make mm-hmm. a, a a western and have critics lose their minds. Or a over war it. movie. It's relatively rare. What was that? Or the Here? occasional war movie too. War movie Here or a boxing drama. a boxing movie. You know, the, the the Academy loves their boxing movies. But, uh, you know, but, but beyond that, it's, you know, it's, it, you get the, you get this, this critical idea that it's, it's low. It's beneath one of my right. academics thing to like a horror yeah. film. That's not some artsy bullshit crap or some import. You know, we got a lot of praise heaped on a lot of J horror and K horror movies in the middle of the 2000 mm-hmm. because they were J horror and K horror not because they were necessarily good. I'm not saying that there weren't good ones in there, because there were. But it got to the point that every single one that was getting released over here was hailed as visionary and revolutionary. And then they would use that as a bludgeon to take out the, as to get back to your point, Chris, the gorier films that they saw as exploitative right. and uh, below and beneath them. But a lot of those gorier films were using gore because they could push the envelope more because that's where they had evolved to in the, the, the cinema scene. But a lot of them had good stories that they weren't willing to look at because of the gore. They'd rather look at, you know, it's like, ooh, it's a spooky ghost story, but it's from Thailand. Right. It must be cool. You know, instead of thinking that, you know, oh, well, maybe this, maybe if I can, you know, desensitize myself a little bit to watch this, this, you know, gore fest film, maybe I can understand what the point is. But that that's hard. And most critics don't want to do that with a genre that they don't give two flips and a holler about. So, you know, I think you're absolutely right. The, The genre films like this, especially the horror ones, they survive because of being in the genre magazines and being written about by the few genre books that were out there in, you know, in, into the sixties and seventies and into the eighties, right. they survive video, they survive on DVD and they survive by word of mouth. This is the, you know, they're never going to get the recognition with very little exception. You know, Wales Frankenstein is always going to be hailed as a masterpiece because it is all right. right. Horror of yeah. Frank horror of Dracula, horror of Frankenstein's not so great. Horror of Dracula no. is a fantastic <laughs> friggin' movie. I can't, I'm with Jay. I can't think of a Dracula film that I like better. 
And this will get, I think it has like three or three and a half stars in my venerable Leonard Malton movie guide. Ooh. So Malton or one of his cronies liked it. But, you know, it, no, <laughs> nobody's ever going to bring this up as one of the best films of the 1950s. No one's ever going to yeah, say something like right. oh, the gla- classics of British cinema are, you know, is like, uh, you know, the, the best, ho- you know, uh, films of color from this era. Any of that. It's never going to come up because genre films will never get that outside of the ghetto of saying, oh, their special effects did this. We can we can always praise spe- good special effects in a horror movie because, you know, especially as an American audience, if something looks realistic, it must be good. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, whereas if something is artistic and uh, uh, symbolic rather than necessarily realistic, it's dismissed. You know, now here in this case, we get this with the blood. The blood is, is like is like stage blood turned up to 11, you know, with the treble way up there as well. It's <laughs> not meant to be realistic. It's meant to be symbolic and evocative. And so you do get people that kind of write it off. Oh, that's stupid. That stupid tempura blood doesn't mm-hmm. look like blood at all. Well, maybe it's supposed to be in Technicolor, and maybe it's supposed to pop on the screen, yeah. and it's supposed to be a visually shocking thing. But again, people don't. A lot of critics don't want to do that work for a horror film. Well, I've never okay, saw so this movie the... all the all the way through, but I was always catching pieces of Hammer horror movies, like on my grandfather's TV or on a friend's TV, and stuff. And that color scheme that they have—that's almost like a faded, tinted photograph with bright reds and you know the 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 blood and grew colors popping out you know that that basically defined my perception of hammer horror movies you know from from seeing him as a kid you gotta remember this is also 1958 and think about what you're getting um you know across the pond here in american 58 uh, I mean, 57 was like the Black Scorpion and 20 Million Miles to Earth and um, uh, like the Giant Claw. And I'm like, you know, I mean, things like that. I mean, you, had, you were in the midst of Harryhausen putting out all of his classics. And that's what that's what the, the kind of genre movies we were getting. You know, there were no, there was nothing like the like Curse of Frankenstein and Horror of Dracula. Uh, they were nothing like that in America. So when they when the, the, the just seeing him in color alone already pushed things to another level when the genre movies you were seeing were black and white um i'm thinking um what Cre- when, when was Re- 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 i'm trying to think was it uh creature walks among us it has to be around this time as well yeah. right yep. Like 50, yeah. yeah i want to say creature yeah. was i want to say 54 so yeah around this time yeah. be revenge of the creature so i'm saying is like i mean revenge of the creatures got he, he kills things whatever there's no blood there i mean it's all black and white i mean they you know it's but it's, it's and it's not supposed to be the same type of movie. But I think what they understood was they were making a type of film that was going to push that envelope, and they wanted to push because if you if you don't push the envelope and you keep making the same stuff, they weren't going to make their money. They had they had an audience who was used to seeing because again, like I, uh, we were just were saying, this was right before Universal sold their shock package. And for people who don't know what that is, um, the shock package was was a fifty movies, Lou. I'm trying to remember. Uh, yeah, the, 40. I think it might have been 50 because they, they threw a couple of oddballs in there to round yeah. it out to a round number. It was like 50 movies that were sold. It was called Shock Theater, and they sold that to uh, television studios, and they could show those movies. And then Son of Shock came out a few years later after that, um, and that included the, the, the second half of um, all the Universal team-ups and stuff like that. And they and – because they, they at the time, people didn't really I – mean, TV was still in its infancy, um, but you had to wait for movies to come. 
back to the theater. Uh, it was not unheard of for Dracula and Frankenstein, uh, you know, especially in the in the fall, to be playing at the local movie theater or playing in the New York City on you know on a major major theater. And people were like, well, I gotta go see Dracula again. I gotta go see this again. And when all of a sudden, th- then when Horror of Dracula drops here in America, and again, that's why they changed the title. You're you're like, what are we seeing? Like this isn't Lugosi, you know. With I bid you welcome, you know. This is this is a guy who is just like a an animal. He's you know, it's there's there's raw sexuality there in him. There's there's just like just you know, there's just you feel the power when he, um, <laughs> um, when he grabs her in in the first scene when 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 she's trying to when she bites Harker and he throws her, you know, down like. And then Harker's like, well, no, don't do that. Like, he, like, steps right in. And you're like, dude, are you joking right now? Like, you you know you ain't going to mess. He just throws him down. Like, there's just there's, there's, there's this real anger in him. And and to be honest, if you made that, you know, if this wasn't a horror movie, but let's say a, uh, um, like, like Teenage Rebel, like, uh, Untamed Youth kind of thing, right? Maybe Van Doren, throw- yes. Going with yes, this, yeah. you, you know what I'm saying. He would throw the the bookworm to the ground, and then the girl would get beaten, right? But no, he he bites her and and, and drains her blood, right? Because it's a vampire movie. But it's just that raw energy that was there that you didn't necessarily get in other movies. You know, yeah. I mean, things at the time were that's why um, uh, not just Untamed Youth. What's the other one I'm thinking of? You, you know, you know, you know the movie I'm talking about, right, Lou? You know, like Untamed Youth and. Um, I accused my parents and things like that. Those movies were kind of schlocky well, well, for what they the, were. The, the, yeah, the, well, the juvenile exploitation films of that era. Yes, you're naming, right. you know, but, uh, the, the, those are, you know, High School Caesar and you know, uh, there's a couple others of that era where it's all the it's all the teen movies, you know, from yeah. there. And they they got you know a lot of those didn't play on those played primarily on the the drive-in circuits. Those wouldn't play at the Naves, you know, the neighborhood right. theaters. Usually, they they said they play in the drive-through. Or the drive through, the drive in, drive through. Get your movie, sir. Here we go. Ooh, I like that. Drive through movies. Ooh, we got drive through liquor stores. I don't see why we can't have drive through movies. Better but, yet, uh, drive by movies. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Jesus. You're, you're, you're right, what, though. What, it's, what? It's, 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 it's taking an element of exploitation above and beyond what we you know, had been used to getting. And, uh, and, 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 and putting that out there for, uh, you know, for public consumption as part of the horror motif, which, while yes, you know, women do get killed in the universal horror films with alarming regularity, but it's not, we, it's, I don't think we see a single time of woman getting thrown to the ground like that, you know, it's very staid. And and that's the other thing that strikes you when you watch this one as compared to the universal one, the universal one, you can tell it's, I mean, that is the stage play put sure. on screen and this yeah. is not this, this this has running and leaping and and, and yeah. in your face violence and what's also interesting is it's not the way it's shot is not as stagey as curse of frankenstein there are certain setups where you get long sequences of van helsing and arthur talking and there's a certain staginess to it but there's a lot fisher does a lot more cutting here there's a lot more dynamic action because I think that lends itself more to the, as you were saying, Jay, the animalistic quality mm-hmm. of Dracula and the pursuit. It's kind of an active, it's a chase story, whereas Frankenstein is not. You know, there, there is some pursuit in Frankenstein, but it's of a fairly slower nature, just by the nature of the story. Whereas here, this, yeah. this is more cut together very excitingly. We talked about the, the, final, uh, the final pursuit with Van Helsing chasing Dracula through his castle. With that wonderful score by Bernard Mann yeah. in there, and uh, the music you know, alone, it, the music alone in that scene, like 
you don't, even if you don't see, even if you couldn't see what was happening, the music alone gets your blood going. You're like, something's going yeah. on. Like this is this is important. There's something yeah. occurring here. Yeah. But then it's you know it's again we're we're more used to especially in you know we we got some kind of actiony uh, final scenes in the Universal Frankenstein films and a little bit in the Mummy films, but really not with the with Dracula or Son of Dracula or any of them. But this you know physical battle between yeah. Van Helsing and Dracula, and then you know again what does Van Helsing do? He knows I can't go toe to toe with this guy. I gotta outthink him, and he yeah. knows that Drac is Drax in a vampiric rage here. So, you yeah. know, run up the table, grab onto the, the curtains, and boom, sunlight, you know, boom, roasted has never been more appropriately applied. <laughs> this right is, here. I mean, to, to me, this the ending, to the a... ending of... Sorry, real quick, Chris. To me, the ending of this always kind of reminded me of the ending of The Wolfman. When Claude Rains as as Talbot, as uh, Talbot Sr., you know, the, uh, yeah. the uh, his father, is he kills him, right? I mean that's not nearly as as you know a graphic a scene, but when you think about the end of Universal movies, there's not in Dracula there's not a fight. I mean at the end of Frankenstein, there the, the villagers are chasing him like it, there's there's a pursuit there, but they're hunting the Wolfman in the woods in the original Wolfman, and when he when when him and and Claude Rains you know and then Claude Rains beats him to death with his own cane. It's one of those things. It was just was it was different, and that's why I think the Wolfman, the ending of the Wolfman, stood out as being different. The same way um, that, like, let's say the, um, uh, uh, oh man, I'm totally just lost right now. Um, it'll come back to me, but I'm saying it, it stands out as being different. I think that's why this ending is uh, it plays so differently than Curse of Frankenstein because Kurt, they when they released Curse of Frankenstein and they had success with that and they made this, you know, clearly they knew what they they kind of knew they might be onto something here. They didn't want to make the same movie again, and I think having uh, you know the same guys involved here allowed them to not make the same film by cutting it differently, by having different kind of score, by having different kind of action and stuff. You you don't get in a rut of being, oh, well, I saw that movie last year, but it was Frankenstein. Now it's Dracula, you know, kind of thing. It, you you don't say that's the same. You know you know what I mean? Like there's not yeah. that 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 similarity to it, even though you have the same actors and the same director and the same writer and involved. Which, which I think is one of the big issues. I think we find that now with horror, I think we find the the, the they have a big desire to be similar. You know, um, Luke was talking about all the J horror and K horror movies coming over, and what did that lead to here? That led to remakes of J horror remakes. and K horror. Yeah. Oh and the, the J horror like, and K horrors, and they they were already similar. They yeah, were already, already cannibalized themselves and copied themselves <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. No, no. Yeah. But here, before we get off topic, here, what what Sorry. point were you make? That's just specifically about the the ending. I mean, it, especially the action. I was. This is the first time where somebody just took two sticks together and made a, cr a cross, right? It has to be. It's the first one that I can think of going back in yeah. terms of movie wise. And the other thing is, it's just yeah. I mean, the Van Helsing man of action. He's running and he's jumping. And the first time I watched this. He's Jumping and leaping. He he jumping up, and leaping. And I saw him stairs. haul ass across the table and grab the curtain. I was like, that's so awesome. Like, the, why didn't yeah. they all do that? Like, the same thing. Like, they're doing stuff that you, why wouldn't you have done it in every other vampire story? And that just blew my mind the first time I saw it. And it was probably only yeah. about 10 years ago when I did. And and it's that scene, and that scene is so cool. They use it as the prologue in Prince of Darkness. Yes. They yes, actually that's how, show that as well, like a flashback to the beginning because it's important for him 
again, spoilers, it's important for Dracula to be dust at the beginning of Dracula Prince of Darkness. So they, they show this flashback. Actually, it's pretty neat. They show it like like it's looking like you're looking in a crystal ball at the past. I'm, I'm doing yes. the motion with my hands up to the mic <laughs> to give you guys the idea. I can see. I can see. Swami yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, so it's kind of wavy and, you know, diddly-doo, diddly-doo, diddly-doo on the, on the edges. So, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah it's, it's, it's so action-packed. And especially for, you know, a Dracula film, even, even the non-universal kind of, you know, off-brand, you know, uh, oh, he's been using Brand X Dracula movies that we've had. <laughs> in the in the in the 50s, oh, no. didn't you know? Yeah. Didn't didn't really take it in that approach either, because that requires you to block out an action sequence rather than to you know shoot people in a room talking, which is substantially easier to do. Yeah, we got this <laughs> stage play. We don't need to do anything with it. Let's film this thing. Thank yeah. you, Kermit the Frog. Can we do a Spanish one at night and use the same sets? Which is way yeah. better. Because the Dracula it is, is way better. You, you speak Spanish, but <laughs> subtitles, bro. Time, I try. I try to watch it, and it's like. Uh, but I, 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 we. At one point, I was watching on VHS with no subs. I'm like, why am I watching this? But uh, all, I, all I feel like is like Peggy Hill is like, oh, you speak Spanish of a type. I <laughs> am Peggy Hill. <laughs> so the, this is uh, not the King <laughs> of the Hill podcast. Poor favor. <laughs> it might be this might be my favorite disintegrating in sunlight scene even with all the new modern technology that has them splurshing and splashing and going this one in fright night is pretty good too huh yeah one in fright, one in fright night is pretty, pretty awesome yeah, yeah but right. i really like this one this one's just like pretty raw well, he, like, implodes, too. Yeah. It's just like... You see, like, everything just getting sucked up You can and in see and, like, a little bit of the limitations of their special effects and a little trickery going on, but it doesn't matter. It's just really creepy and good, and it just has a very dry... It's great. I love it. Especially especially at that point in the story, where we're... First off, we're engaged and we're we're on board with it. But we've all we've you know the way that this story is written and the way that Van Helsing has explained to us, the, us the audience, the way that a vampire works, we don't have him turning into a bat. We don't have him turning right. into a wolf or something like that. So when we see Dracula here transformed from Christopher Lee into a pile of ash, it's it it's a big deal because we haven't seen him change. You know he's been the same you know, brutal figure for the, uh, for what we've seen him in the film. And now he's been laid low in a very real and very visceral sense. I think that's why, like you said, uh, Chris, that, uh, you know, it, it's, it still holds up as, as a disintegration in sunlight. I think it holds up probably because of the limitations. It doesn't try to do too much with it. You know, it's not, it's not overdone. It's, it shows exactly what it needs to communicate the sequence. And yeah, I mean, we understand we're, we're intelligent viewers. We know the movie magic, but that doesn't, you know, again, that doesn't detract from the fact that it's so wonderfully put together. And, and, and what I like is you look at, we get to see reactions from Van Helsing as this is happening and it's clear revulsion since he spent so much of his life hunting down Dracula and he's still just disgusted by him, but it's a little bit of revulsion at what his final fate, that it, this is a gruesome fate for anyone, even a monster like Dracula, you know, at the same time, to, he must be, be having a science gasm. Right. Exactly. <laughs> he's got kind of a mixed, emo, mixed yeah. signal thing going on. He's like, I told them I was right. I told you, I told you, I told you. So it's like, I just said, Van Helsing, you, <laughs> you magnificent bastard, I read your book. 
<laughs> so, oh man, um, one of the uh, one of the things in um, uh, did, did, when um, oh, not Mina. Mina's the one who Lucy. Uh, the, Lucy, thank you. I couldn't think of her name. Um, she's got the collar all the way up on her coat, and she's holding it right when she comes in from her walk, right? And, oh wait, that's and, no, that's the other one. That's the blonde. Yeah. Right. Can I say it back? That's Mina. Lucy. Lucy's the younger Lucy's sister. the one who's she's the one who's dead. Sorry, my bad. I forgot I'm switch. Uh, Mina, when Mina comes in, she's got the collar held together all the way up there. And and um even as a kid, you're like, oh, that kind of looks like I understand why she's doing it, but it's like that kind of looks suspicious, but they're not it's, suspicious of and it. And they're vampire and hunters. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I went out for a walk very early, and I'm like uh, I don't know. It's kind of like it's kind of like when someone's flat out lying to you, and you're like, "No, I did not fuck that guy." No, you're like, um, "Yeah, well, you're still dripping." Did not have so, sexual relations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's usually oh, answered with, "Okay." Yeah, all sure. right. I, you know, what? I did have to laugh when Mina, when uh, when Dracula takes Mina back to the back to his castle, and he's gonna bury her. And he's throwing the dirt on her. God. All I can hits think her of face. Hits her right <laughs> hits in the face. Right and all I can all I can think of is Ash. Hey, you got some shit in your face yeah, there. Exactly. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know what the funny part is Christopher Lee's doing the scene and you can't see and when he throws the dirt, he fell into the grave on top of the stunt woman. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which man. has gotta be really funny because you might Christopher like, Oh, I'm very sorry, you know. <laughs> and he's a big dude. That's that's a lot of weight hitting you. No, yeah, and, but and, the best part and, is he hits her right in the face of the dirt. Doosh, right. you know? Of course. <laughs> Get some shit. Yeah. But uh, you know what's funny? And we talked about, I, I, we, we kind of broached this earlier, but the treatment of women. Because, you know, the first, the first vampire girl, she is staked off screen. She's still staked, but she's staked off screen, okay? Then Lucy, they burn her face with the crucifix yeah. in frame, which is awesome. That is a great effect. Yes. And it really looks like it hurt. And then they stake the ever-loving Jesus out of her right on camera. Yeah. And yep. it's like, I mean, that. I mean, again, this is the '50s, man. This is the '50s. You don't, you don't hit women in a movie that's pl- not that's not playing at a drive-in. Not let alone women. The they are the undead. It is just the shell, you see. But uh, you know, but but again, it's it, that that is that alone is for the time period that is pushing the that's pushing the box of envelopes. You know, as Paul Heyman would say, because that's just insane when you get right down to it. Vampire or otherwise, you know, showing us a stake going through her, her heart with the blood shooting out of it. And, and again, like you were saying, uh, Hero, the, the red hammer tempura blood being so visually uh, different from the rest of the film. That I mean, that that's that scene still holds up and still stands out. And again, and now there's no, you know, now in right now in real life, there's no stigma on showing that on the, on in a vampire film. You know, in fact, they they like to show that because then they can titillate you a little bit with it because inevitably she's wearing some plunging neckline in the coffin. Oh, yeah. But you know, yeah. but but again, in in the fifties, it's like holy holy crap! You know, you can imagine people like losing their shit in the theater over this. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I say I thought this was a respectable film here. What is this? My my word, my word. Sir. That was yeah. respect to the dead. Yeah. Put, her, put her down. The film board shall hear of this, sir. <laughs> and my, Michael Goff's reaction when it's going on, too, it's like he can't even look at it. He's just clutching the wall. It's like, yeah. oh, 
He's he's great in this too. <laughs> that jawline. She's dead. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's dead, dead enough. enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the thing is too is you got to remember is my uh, Michael Goth. I mean, he's in a lot of other movies and he plays the 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 villain or the heavy and not shouldn't say a heavy. He plays the villain or the the killer um, in other in other um, British films. Um, but he has the ability to go back and I mean, he's in he's the scientist from Conga. You know, he's the whatever he's in other films and genre stuff. So he was he was not um, new to making genre films, but he was an actor who they know they were going to get. See, I look at it this way. And, and, and this is not to be disrespectful, but um, let's be honest. Like Kurt Russell makes a lot of friggin' genre films. Right. Yeah. And Kurt Russell is an amazing actor. And I'm not trying to, you know, say, but to me, Kurt Russell is phenomenal in so many genre movies because he can play the different characters that are appropriate to that to that movie, right? And yet he can go and then play, um, oh crap, was he wasn't he in the Miracle? Wasn't he the coach in there yeah, and yeah. whatever? Like he, he can do any of those things, right? Herb Brooks, I couldn't think of his name. I almost called him Albert Brooks, but I know it's not Albert. Brooks. <laughs> That's a totally um, different person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you know, what I'm saying is, uh, you know, the thing is, like, he he's able to do that, and I think we get actors here that are, you know, again, different t- different kind of world we're living in. This is the '50s in England, but they were good in these movies, and they were good in, in the straighter movies. And like, I mean, uh, uh, Lee is the is the is the monster with all the, you know, he's he doesn't have any any lines in Curse of Frankenstein. He only says 13 lines here. As the mummy, he doesn't really have much to say. Um, you know, for obvious reasons, when we get to the mummy, we'll know why. Uh, but the whole point is, then when he went, when they when they shot uh, Hound of the Baskervilles, and he's bat, he's the uh, the not the not the Lord. What is he? Um, he's a Baron, isn't he? The, yeah, I think so, whatever whatever Lord, he is. Like the whole point Lord, is, is he Lord Baskerville in that? Is it Lord Baskerville? I thought I thought so, but I didn't remember. The whole oh, point is. That. But what I'm saying is, like, but, but I mean, but there's a, that's a Sherlock Holmes story. Like now, that's 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 like high, you know, like Sherlock Holmes. That's held in regard, and like like you know, that's Basil Rathbone, and that's like that takes us back to you know the times of like you know these are you know respectable movies, not horror. You, you see, these guys are able to do the best they can do with this stuff, and I think Michael Gott's one of those guys who maybe is a little forgotten. He's a he, he, he he's not like a Dick Miller where you see Dick Miller you're like oh shit I know that guy you know like Michael Gott's you know was a more of a star uh, and, and nothing against Dick Miller because he's really good in things he does too, um, but it's I mean Mr. Futterman's still outstanding, but uh, you know what I'm saying it's um, it's just one of those Should things that he's. <laughs> He he lends he lends credibility to his role because he takes it so seriously and his his complete um, you know uh, disgust and like oh oh my god I can't believe you're doing this like like is there any other way like he's always trying to like can we do something that's not as violent and not as whatever because it's just not him because he's he's not in that world he's not a vampire hunter he's a guy. You know, who who has his sick sister and a and a blonde wife that he likes to strump it around with, you know, kind of thing into photographs, you know. So uh, photography, I, 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 photography, you know, know I, what I mean? I do, nudge, I nudge, do wink, like, wink. I do like again that you know we're in Germany, not England. 
Okay, Wink, sure. Okay, we got that. What What is his job? Is he just one of these guys that's independently wealthy and so he yes. can, you know, fart around town and go to the gaming club and then go to the pub and do all that? <laughs> looks that way. He looks maybe maybe Mina had the money. Maybe Mina had the money. Mar- married into money. It's a good move, man, if you can do it. Oh, you know, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm but reminded. He's also, he's also the streetwise one, though. He's the one that when they get to the border crossing, he's the one who yeah. pulls out the, the crisp pound note. Yeah. You know, you know, he's he's had a he's had a few adventures of his own, probably. The the thing about marrying into money, just this is this this is more for my own amusement. But Jay knows this story before I tell it. When I was in high school, on more than one occasion, my good buddy Bob and I, we would do surveys of our entire class because we went to a we went to a Catholic high school, so our graduating class was only about a hundred people. So it was relatively easy to survey the entire population of the class. And so we surveyed all the boys in the class, and we said, okay, given the choice, do you take Ginger or do you take Marianne? And it ran pretty even. There was one guy came back and said, Mrs. Howell. Smart. And I said to him, and I said, I see where you're coming from. I don't agree, but I can respect it. <laughs> that is a tough call. I would, uh, yeah. See, I've, al- I've always said Marianne because Ginger might be more glamorous, but Marianne will take care of you. Well, I think... Yeah. Ginger would Someone's be gonna make you a, a pie. Yeah, ginger would be fun for a couple. Of, you, you, you pork ginger. You, you marry Marianne. Marry Marianne. <laughs> and actually, yeah, no. And then, then when you're, when you know, when, uh, when Marianne gets sick of your shit, that's when you hook up with Mrs. Howell, and then you're set. You know, you don't have to worry about it no more. But anyway, no, what you do is you start a free love commune of you, Marianne, and Ginger. <laughs> oh, a, yeah, and oh, throw the yeah. professor in there too. If you go that way, that works. Yeah. He's kind of hunky in his own way, you know, brainy, smart. Women well, maybe actually the professor got them off the friggin' islands, then yeah. The professor may be asexual, so you might just have yeah. have him building your time machine. You know about the thing about, it's, it's just like in the Weird Al song. It's like, she said that guy's a genius. I shook my head and laughed. I said, if he's so fly, then tell me why. He couldn't build a lousy raft. But anyway. Yeah, he had plenty of resources. But we this is we are not, all over the map here. not Sorry. a Gilligan's Island podcast. So... Anyway. Let's reel it in. Do we got any any final thoughts on uh, horror of Dracula? Wait, before final thoughts, really do you want to find where to get this? <laughs> Let's find out where do we find horror of Dracula if we want to purchase it. So the first thing you want to do is go to True True Freaks website. Click on the Amazon link because it helps keeps the lights on here. Yes. On Amazon, you can buy it digitally for nine ninety nine. Or you could purchase the DVD for $4.99. But both of those options to me are not the options I would go with. Um, if you want to get uh, a bunch of the Dracula films, you could purchase the four film uh, four film favorites Draculas, which is Horror of Dracula, Dracula's Risen from His Grave, Taste the Blood of Dracula, and Dracula 80, 1972 for $9.75. But the one I would purchase, if I didn't already own it, because I do, is the TCM Greatest Classics Film Collection, Hammer Horror. You've got Dracula's Risen from His Grave, Horror of Dracula, Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, and The Curse of Frankenstein for $9.63. If if you're looking for it on Blu-ray, you need to have an all-region player because it's only available from uh, in Region B. I think that's what England is. Um, And that runs for about $35. You have to get it imported. Uh, Otherwise, that's pretty much where you're going to find the Horror of Dracula. Yeah, you don't want to get the import. You're going to be paying that VAT tax. You don't want to yeah. be saying well, paying that VAT tax. Well, the, the whole what do you call thing, too, is that it eventually 
hopefully will come out here on Blu-ray all cleaned up and restored with the scene we were talking about and stuff. But like anything else, um, just like we had with the Harryhausen documentary that just came out uh, in 2016, it was released overseas, I think, late 2013, 2014. And it just took forever for Arrow to get the rights to release it here. And that's really what's going to have to come down to. Someone's holding up the rights here, uh, whoever it might be. It's not Universal anymore. It might be Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers puts out all the other ones. So it might be an issue Warner Brothers is having just with getting certain movies released uh, and just, you know, whatever. But however you're going to seek it out, it is well worth your time watching because Horror Dracula, to me, is the quintessential Dracula movie. It will help uh, if you if you think you know everything there is to know about Dracula. You got to see this because this is like oh, this is a different kind of take. It definitely doesn't play into um, the stereotypes that became that were the tropes that uh, Lugosi's Dracula put out there for us. So, but wait a minute, Jay. What you're saying is, if you think you do, you really don't know Drac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was, this actually uh, just rewatching it. Um, it took me back to college. I think a, a back-to-back between this and uh, the um, version of Nosferatu that came out, the, uh, oh, God, who the hell was it? Clive Splinsky. Yeah, the Clive Kinsky Splinsky. version of uh, Nosferatu. I think that'd be a good back-to-back for you. Very tonally different, but uh, I think you'll have a good time pairing both of those up. I would, I would pair it up with... Andy Warhol's Dracula, Blood for Dracula. Oh, yeah, that shot that on location, low budget. Yeah, you're right, Chris. That's a better pair. Odd, odd choice of countries. <laughs> but uh, I like this. I don't know if I would say this is my favorite. I have to think about it because this is a new, uh, the newest Dracula into my Dracula um, list. Probably the least favorite of just like Dracula, Dracula, Dracula's. Of all, you know, the actual Dracula movie based on the story, Dracula, or whatever, is the Lugosi one is probably my least yeah. favorite. It's so dry. But this one's up at, this one's in my top three with, I love the Coppola one, even though it's like. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the, muddled as hell at the end. But it's still, but it's I a, enjoy the hell out of watching it all the time and I never get bored with it. And I like the well, Frank Langella one, too. Yeah, but this is yeah. a nice sort of midpoint between being like realistic as in realistic, like to the book or to the actual era of it and stylistic. I like how it's just sort of hovers in between the the two of them and moves. It moves. Yeah, it's 82 minutes oh, yeah. and you, it, it, it feels shorter than that. Time. It, nope. This is uh this one's uh you know if you want to get your kid into horror it's maybe not for like a five or six year old right <laughs> but if your kid's like eight or nine ten and they're interested in in watching some horror stuff you really can't go wrong with it I mean there's no overt sexuality but it's uh it'll be creepy enough for a kid and it's just enough there's just enough grew in it to if your kid is uh, into that that they'll probably be satiated. Yeah, it's probably it's probably way tamer than anything else they've seen even if you've been trying to protect them. Well, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Do we get, okay, we get we get For, it. You're an outlier. We we understand that. <laughs> yeah. Don't, some of us. Don't start off the Coppola Dracula. That's uh, a <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. A, I mean, Haley Haley if you said to her describe Dracula I'm willing to bet my daughter will describe even though she knows who Bela Lugosi is she most likely will describe Christopher Lee because that is the 
that is the Dracula that I've, because I've built models. I have, um, I mean, my dad has models and stuff. I mean, we have stuff with Lugosi, but in in my house, the Draculas that get built here and the Draculas that she's seen are this. Like, this was on this morning, and she's like, oh, Dracula. Now, she may not know it's called Horror Dracula, because she's, the names are not as important to her. But she's like, oh, it's Dracula. And to her, it's just as if it's nothing, so. Um, but it's, it's what it is, man. If you have kids who are, uh, like you said, you know, kids who are a little older, you know, that, you know, this is perfect kind of stuff, especially, uh, I think, um, Luke will, uh, you know, be able to, he'll get a laugh out of this, but, you know, it's like the fall, and it's, you know, it's a little chill in the air, you know, yeah. you kind of have a fire going, maybe some mold wine, you know, <laughs> As you do. the mold wine references for Luke. <laughs> oh, the mold wine. <laughs> Look, this is a place where men, working men like to get drunk fast, and we don't need any characters around. <laughs> if you will please show these gentlemen to the door anyway sorry LP it's your turn <laughs> no 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 it's, I, I love old wine it's delicious Judas which <laughs> I like was about to go there Luke thank you <laughs> <laughs> You know what's funny is that I actually do like mold wine, and I made mold cider this past autumn, but it's been so hot down here that I think if we have an autumn, it'll last for about a week, and it'll just be 75 degrees, and then it'll be ice storms, because it'll be the winter in the upstate, but anyway, um, I, I had a, I had a, I had a, I say this all the time, and I do tend to repeat myself when it's true, but I loved having an excuse to break this out and watch it, because it's, it's, it's just a lot. It's just so much, so enjoyable to watch. It's just good scene after good scene after good scene, and it moves so quick, like you guys were saying. It's it's just a lot of fun, and it brings back memories of watching this on VHS in uh, in my parents' living room. So, uh, always a pleasure to break out horror of Dracula and see Christopher Lee uh, do his thing as uh, as the Drac, uh, you know, as 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 the Count. So, uh, but. We are going to be staying with the same core group. We're going to be staying with uh, with uh, Terrence Fisher and Jimmy Sangster and, uh, Chris and Christopher Lee in the next film we're going to be watching, which is generally considered to be the third pillar of the triumvirate that started Hammer Horror, and that is 1959's The Mummy is going to be our next film in the series. So looking very much forward to, to that. I am a huge Mummy fan. I love ancient Egypt from a cultural standpoint. I love, you know, movies that deal with that. And I've always loved The Mummy. Even, you know, back when I was a kid uh, watching, um, you know, uh, The Mummy and then the Kara sequels that came after it, whether it was uh, Karloff or uh, uh, Tom Tyler or Lon Chaney Jr. And then uh, this one as well. So very much looking forward to discussing The Mummy the next time. So be sure to brew your tana leaves and make sure your bandages are all nice and rapidly, you know, wrapped tightly and all that. And you're ready to go. Uh, for for yeah, that wrap tightly is not a term that comes up too often with us or our listeners. Depends no. on what you're rapping, man. I hear what you're rapping. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time.
visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and a number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Have you been, Lord, a friend of my son? Oh, make my bed soon, for I'm weary from hunting. Hey, hey!